0: Thank you for listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm your host, Amber Smith. Within the field of psychology is a specialty area that focuses on rehabilitation. The people working in this area are known as rehabilitation psychologists, and today we'll learn what that's all about. With us is psychologist Jeffrey Schweitzer, who is part of the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Upstate, and Brian Arizmendi, who is a PhD candidate in clinical psychology with a minor in neuroscience from the University of Arizona. Welcome to you both, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you.
0: Hey, well, uh, Dr. Schweitzer, um, people might not think of a psychologist working in physical medicine and rehabilitation. So can you explain sort of what your role in that department is, is that, do patients in rehab necessarily see a psychologist as part of their treatment? Uh,
1: not necessarily. Uh, we off, we describe our rehabilitation psychology as a, a voluntary service. Uh, Our discipline works with an integrated rehab team consisting of medicine, physical, occupational, and speech therapists, social workers, case managers, really the whole gamut. And um, we take for granted that whatever uh, conditions bring folks onto our unit is tremendously stressful. So Mm -hmm. what we do is to approach them after they've been admitted, um, describe for them, our service—you know what we have to offer them in terms of coping and adjustment—and then take it from there. If they're interested, we'll perform a uh, structured assessment and then collaboratively decide on any treatment goals um, if there's a need there.
0: So it sounds very individualized to the patient.
1: Very much so.
0: Okay. So, rehabilitation psychology is this uh, is this a new specialization in psychology?
1: Um, it's actually older. Um, it uh, originated uh, after World War II,
0: okay.
1: and psychologists were working with veterans um, returning from combat who had um, developed um, physical and psychological traumas, and uh, that work continued for five to ten years, and uh, gradually that was applied to civilian populations as well. And in 1958, uh, the American Psychological Association actually developed the subdivision of rehabilitation psychology, and it's really blossomed over the the decades.
0: Interesting. Well, I saw that Brian um, focuses a lot on cancer survivorship, and we'll get into that a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, There's probably other specializations within Rehab
1: psychology right with yes on- uh, and historically um, the field psychologists within the field were referred to as medical psychologists mm-hmm. and over time uh, specializations have developed under that rubric so rehabilitation psychology health psychology and neuropsychology and then within each of those <laughs> there are also subspecialties wow.
0: too is there an overarching philosophy for the rehab psychologists or
1: Yes uh, so uh, we are working with uh, folks who have disabilities, acute and chronic health conditions and really our goal is to optimize health and well-being, uh, independence and self-determination, uh, functional ability, and social role participation across across the lifespan.
0: okay. All right. Um, are there other types of patients that you see um, outside of physical medicine and rehabilitation?
1: Oh, like well, con-
0: concussion management, are you involved in that?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, first, let, let me just describe you know, some of the populations that we see okay. on the inpatient unit um, because it is, it's pretty wide and varied. Uh, we're meeting with folks who are recovering from traumatic brain injury, Uh, concussion, uh, as you mentioned, uh, spinal cord injuries, uh, amputation, uh, polytrauma, so folks who have been in serious motor vehicle accidents, they've broken their arms and and legs, um, and there can be acute stress uh, associated with those conditions and major adjustment issues that arise. Now, outside of inpatient, uh, we also have some rehabilitation psychologists at the Institute of Human Performance right here in Syracuse. And they're providing outpatient Mm -hmm. services. And over there, they have the Concussion Management Center, uh, which is a a great resource from folks um, coping with and recovering from concussion, as well as a neuropsychology program, which is Mm -hmm. uh, mainly assessment, Uh, so folks with disability and health conditions can go there to undergo formal testing to figure out you know what their relative strengths and weaknesses are and get some recommendations for additional services
0: so neuropsychology assessment yes that, what, what's involved in that can sure um,
2: I, yeah i'm happy to um, chime in on that um so that is um typically a um uh, individual, um, uh, assessment with, um, the neuropsychologists and, um, the patient that involves, uh, a, a, battery of various tests. Um, they assess, um, what we'd call executive functioning, so decision-making, um, pattern recognition, using materials, using physical materials, um, various um, spatial and uh, mathematical types of tasks uh, that um, are assessed to see where um, they fly on a spectrum and um, in what um, areas they may have um, some sort of challenges or deficits, if, if there are any. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, once that's done, a, a large report is written up to, uh, for the other providers and, and for um, uh, the sake of feedback to the patient describing what, what they've found based on the results of these tests that are all um, widely normed, meaning that they've been done on many, many people so that they have this great calibration system sort of to determine where this person may fall. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. We're talking about rehabilitation psychology with Dr. Jeffrey Schweitzer, who is part of the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Upstate, and Brian Arizmendi, a PhD candidate in clinical psychology. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about rehab psychology and cancer care. Hmm. Um, there's now psychologists working as integrated members of the comprehensive care team at the Upstate Cancer Center. So can you explain how that works?
1: Sure. Uh, so psychosocial uh, care uh, for cancer patients is actually uh, a more recent emergent uh, phenomenon that we've seen develop, would you say, over the past 10, 15 years? Yeah,
2: my understanding is that psychosocial oncology specifically really came to the fore in the mid 80s, so maybe uh, maybe a little bit longer than uh-huh. the mid to late 80s. Um, okay.
1: And really it originates from this um, medical philosophy uh, that is focusing on the, the whole person
0: okay mm-hmm.
1: so in addition to their physical health and, and well-being we want to also focus on their psychological and emotional health
0: that seems to make imminent sense yes right, right. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. uh, so uh, the the can't Cancer Center was erected within the the past two years, and increasingly there was this recognition of the need for psychosocial services. So in the the past six months, uh, myself and Dr. Rodner, another rehabilitation psychologist, have become increasingly involved with the program, and our goal has been to provide direct clinical care services to cancer patients in need of those, while uh, developing a psychosocial oncology program, uh, which is a, a longer-term goal that we're, we're embarking on right now.
0: I've uh, seen it referred to as the uh, emotional ex- distress being considered the sixth vital sign, as important as heart rate, respiratory rate, things like physical things. Yes. Um, so that's sort of becoming the philosophy?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so you have pulse, blood pressure, temperature, respiration – and then uh, in the, the mid-90s, uh, they were starting to recognize the importance of measuring pain. So mm-hmm. pain right. became the, the fifth vital sign. And uh, what they were doing is asking, you know, how are you experiencing pain on a scale from zero to 10 and finding that that simple screen, that simple uh, assessment was really benefiting the patients. Uh, and Uh, About five to 10 years after that, there is this recognition that, hey, there's this subjective psychological and emotional distress, too, that is impacting their health, um, that is impacting outcomes. So this is really important for us to pay attention to, and so much so that it was coined the sixth vital sign.
0: Mm, Okay. Now, do all cancer patients require psychosocial intervention, or is it offered to all cancer patients? and
1: It's, it's offered to all, um, certainly not required. Um, typically the, the way that it goes is they, they present to the cancer center uh, with some symptoms that are uh, suggestive of a, a cancer diagnosis. And as they're undergoing that diagnostic process and uh, collaborating with their oncologists as well as some of the, the nurses. Uh, They may report that they're experiencing high levels of stress, anxiety, fear, which are extremely common under these circumstances, and having a, a difficult time coping with that. So under those circumstances, they would refer those patients to see us for initial evaluation, and what we would do is to talk more about those symptoms and to understand them in the context of their cancer diagnosis, as well as the broader context of their life, yep. and you know, to, to figure out how they're coping with that, if at all, um, to identify some resources and, and strengths that we can really build on.
0: So it could be at the soon after diagnosis or at the time of diagnosis, or it could be during treatment?
1: Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was yes. Just- Oh, I'm sorry, go Uh ahead. Across the whole cancer trajectory. So uh, the time of diagnosis, at the time of treatment, which can be incredibly stressful and debilitating in itself, and also when they're in the the clear, if you will, uh, which has been termed survivorship in the the Mm -hmm. cancer field. Uh, So the the patients are uh, in remission, Mm-hmm. And uh, adjusting back to their life, and that too can present uh, an assortment of, of psychological issues um, with which we can help. Mm-hmm. And Brian, did you want to add something to that?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, um, in reference to the distress screening, you know, it is the it is the goal of um, our program, and um, from my understanding, programs nationwide to start moving towards distress screening um, at the patient's every visit, um, and for every patient in a formalized fashion, um, such that, that again, the trajectory can be, um, can be mapped out. And that, um, even though a patient may not, um, bring up the idea of their distress, that we are capturing that in some way that we are asking about it rather than waiting for them to tell us. And, um, the logistics of that, um, are, um, as you might imagine a bit complicated, but um, that is that is one of our goals as well is to implement that formal screening um, as as we move forward. Yes. So
0: what are the types of issues that cancer patients or their loved ones um, bring up or are dealing with? Are there like recurring themes that you see?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, probably uh, the biggest one, uh, at least around the, the time of diagnosis, Is something that we call mortality salience Mm -hmm. Um, so that is an acute attention to one's mortality um, that um, that one day I'm going to die but in this context that death could be imminent for me Mm -hmm. um, and with with this cancer diagnosis Um, so understandably that brings about significant distress Uh, and what we, we conceptualize it across three different levels. So intrapersonal distress. So, you know, this, this possibility of imminent death, how does that affect me personally? Interpersonal. So how does it affect my relationships with my spouse, my family members, my friends, and my Mm -hmm. broader community? You know, what, what, how would that affect them if I were to die? Mm-hmm. And also transpersonal or spiritual. Um, so, what would death mean for me um, in the spiritual realm? You know, is there an afterlife, and and if so, you know, how is how is that going to affect me? Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, tell me, um, I know we've got this uh, body-mind wellness group that's um, starting here at mm-hmm. Upstate. Mm-hmm. Do you get into these issues in the body-mind wellness group? Can you tell me how that works? Uh,
2: yes. yes, absolutely. And we certainly do. Um, and this this group um, is um, a, an integrative group um, kind of collapsing across um, something that we would call psychoeducation. So teaching the, the um, group, the patients in the group, um, about various um, parts of their experience or, or various parts of whole body wellness, such as nutrition, sleep, stress, physiology, these kinds of things. Um, we also incorporate an experiential component, um, which is um, practicing, say, um, very low impact yoga or practicing, um, mindfulness, um, which is something that's gaining a lot more popularity recently. It's something that we see a lot in, in, um, in kind of, uh, I would say mind body, um, society now, if you will. And then in the, um, third part is kind of a process component, um, in which we, um, allow the patients and ourselves to discuss how we've um, experienced the learning about these components of the group and practicing them. So how it how it plays into our lives, how we might be able to use it, how it might be useful, so these kinds this, of things.
0: Excuse me, is this a support yeah. group? It sounds similar.
2: Um, but- it, there is a component of it that is, again, we call it process, where we do um, have everyone talk about um, their personal experiences. Um, but it is not it is not a support group. Um, in its truest form, because there is a educational and experiential right. practice part. So there's there's a lot more involved than um, each patient discussing their own experience. There is learning new material. There's integrating new material into their own. So lives. more like
0: a group office visit.
2: Um. Yeah. I suppose it would be. It could be conceptualized as a hybrid of both of those.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Now is this open to? Um, Upstate cancer patients or all cancer patients? All cancer patients. Okay. Yes. So we will post on uh, the healthlinkonair.org website how to learn more information about how to get involved in that. Uh, if there's a phone number or website, we'll put a link to that.
1: Wonderful. Okay? We'd
0: appreciate that. So we've been talking. I want to thank both of you for being here. We've been talking with Upstate psychologist Jeffrey Schweitzer and Ph.D. candidate Brian Arizmendi, and this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air.